So hello, yeah, welcome. Across the internet. <laughs> um, welcome. That's Alex. That other face. Yes. Are you, are you going to say who I am? I said you're just through the internet. Oh, it all sounded like one word to me. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I should be a better listener. Um, it's hard during a conference call. Detroit Strange Conference Call. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, this is good. Our Zoom is not going to cut us off. I forgot that that happens. Apparently, they've rewarded us for over 40 minutes. Thank wow. you, Zoom. This episode brought to you by Zoom. <laughs> oh, I wish. They're making so much money right now. Yeah. Zoom is hot. Yeah, sure. The hottest, but I do like it. I mean, look at this background. Uh, it's a dragon yeah, eyeball. I'm a big fan, and I was thinking about it. Like, they were next to each other in the same background. It looks like two eyes, so we're like the part, top part of a face. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that on purpose. Or did I? I don't know, because I don't know the magic you worked to make this happen. <laughs> so. I'm not entirely sure what I did either. Um, I'm kind of amazed that I think it's working. I don't really know how to check. So this is a weird circumstance. Oh, I didn't realize that. Is this, <laughs> is this strange? Is there something going on that I should know about, Jess? Um, nope. Please just oh. keep your mind. Okay. I would keep appreciate that. Keep business as usual. Yes. Uh, I will show you, though. I think I showed you earlier, but I'm using a karaoke microphone right now. That is amazing. That's so fun. Yes, thank you to my friend Wendy for this wonderful birthday present that just keeps on giving. I love it so yes. much. Um, I haven't seen your face in a while, so this is actually really exciting. I know, I know. Um, we've all been shut-ins lately, which is the right thing. Yeah. Stay inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it makes seeing faces a little bit more, more tricky. Yeah. I mean, I know we've talked and stuff, but I, I'm very glad that you're safe uh, yeah. and doing well. Mm -hmm. But people are finding all kinds of ways to, to do things over the internet now. I had a happy hour with work on Friday. That mostly My work had one, but I was like, mm -hmm. funny, that seems a little bit after the time you're yeah. paying me to be online, so... <laughs> Ours was too, but it was fun because people just like, we use Zoom, so we did the backgrounds and stuff and people just kept changing backgrounds. And then my boss made his background one of my coworkers' faces. So that was funny. And it wasn't, you know, it was a nice way to kind of, I mean, I, we had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I probably would have if like, I didn't have friends staying with me right now. You yeah. probably heard them giggling in the yeah. corner over here. Yeah, no, that's, that's different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're the only reason why I've showered since we've been locked out. I showered for this. I was I, like, I need to be human for this. I actually, my roommate and I, we have exercised, I think, every day in some capacity for about the past eight days or so. But it's given me a reason to shower, which is what... That brings me to sometimes I don't shower right away though. Let's just be realistic about that. Sometimes um, you gotta sit in that stank for a minute, just know you did the thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I did put on earrings and makeup because of the and contacts. 
Oh, yeah. I, uh, I wore my glasses because I'm kind of feeling, I'm really loving these glasses. I got them recently. Mm-hmm. I got three pairs from Zenny right before, you know, everything started happening. And I've been kind of cycling through those, although I've already lost a pair. Damn. I don't know where they're at. I packed them to go somewhere and I have unpacked that bag, but not found them, which is strange. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not the best. Chip them like how they chip dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But we can put microchips and dogs. We can put microchips and glasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I need a microchip in pretty much everything I own of Same. value. Anything that's over $30 in my life should have a microchip in it. Yes. Um, so how have you been handling the quarantine? What have you... You've been exercising every day. Yeah, I've been... And then I've actually been getting back to just taking photos. I appreciate that you are using this quarantine opportunity to become a healthier individual as where I have been quarantining up every night. I mean, I don't think I'm healthier. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fair. So today is an unusual day because usually one of us makes a drink for both of us in the episode. But today Uh-oh. we're not in the same room. So we have some quarantinis. And that is whatever the crap you have at home. Yeah, so mine, and let's see. Oh, there's my quarantini. Uh, mine is some, some whiskey. Uh, it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of absinthe. Uh, there is a tiny bit of vermouth, some bitters, uh, some lemon juice, lemon peel, orange peel. And, oh, because I'm real classy, a splash of amaretto. <laughs> Damn. Tastes um, good, actually. I, can we just call it Drink the Cure? <laughs> like <I guess> that. <laughs> uh, it's mainly just a vodka martini with a squeeze of lemon and then a lemon wheel hiding the chip in my martini glass because I didn't realize it was there until after I poured it. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've got a story, teeny. for you yes do you want to hear a story i would love to hear a story okay good because i have a story for you so do you know about the fabric flannel i do okay so flannel it first emerged in the 17th century it was the welsh replacement of plain wool uh it provided better protection from harsh weather and nobody knows who named it. It's a mystery. Um, it became popular across Europe. And by the 19th century, it was put in high production and became common workwear. So a gentleman by the name of Hamilton Carhart uh, took notice of this. And he brought this workwear to the good old US of A. And in 1889, he founded Hamilton Carhart and Company. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah, that. that. What were you going to say? <laughs> It's Ford Motor Company. Yes. And actually, boom. Wait. Is this a reveal? Reveal. I'm not just wearing a hat because I haven't done my hair, which is also true, but because thematic, it goes with it. Love that for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, he really wanted to make clothing for manual laborers. And the first operation started in a small Detroit loft with two sewing machines, half horsepower, with ha- half horsepower electric motor, and five workers. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I uh, have no idea that Carhartt was a Detroit thing, to be honest. But it makes yeah. sense. Everyone loves Carhartt. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, no, it's a very Detroit brand. brand. There, when, it, there's the one. Well, I'll talk about the store downtown. I love yeah. The store downtown. Um, so in the 1890s, they focused mostly on railroad workers because that was a large part of the population. And mm-hmm. he actually went out and he asked them what would suit their needs best. And then he concentrated on making sure that Carhartt work bibs uh, met their needs. Nice. So his first slogan was, quote, honest value for an honest dollar. How much sounds think, about right for that time period. How much do you think they sold for? Oh, like a nickel. Three dollars. Damn. OK. I mean, there were pants and half a shirt. OK. Yeah. Yeah. You were and you wear them like a lot. It's like a nice winter coat, basically. I've got a couple photos to show you. That seemed like a fun thing to do. So this first photo right here, that is Hamilton Carhartt himself. And then the next photo. Yes. And the next photo is, how do I say it? So this one is one of their early ads. Carhartt overalls, union made. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings me to, he was not only concerned about his customer, but Carhartt, Hamilton Carhartt, was very concerned about his workers as well. He made it a priority to offer eight-hour workdays. And in the mid to late 1800s, many workers were averaging about 60 to 70 hours a week at other places. And uh-huh. he was like, no, 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 we're going to 40. We're going to do 40. Um, on top of that, he also encouraged them to follow trade union recommendations. Uh, so he wanted them to unionize. Nice. Um, yeah, there was actually an advertisement, and this is a quote. Back in the early 90s, 1890s, when organized labor was battling for its life, I began making Carhartt overalls under the trade union conditions. Those were dark and troublesome days for union men or those who believed in them. But though deserted by friends and persecuted by foe, I stuck to my task of making Carhartt overalls under trade union conditions. I glory in the fact that I have made the manufacture of overalls under trade union conditions possible all over America and have improved working conditions and secured higher wages and shortened the working hours for a multitude of deserving men and women. So he liked his workers. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, By 1910, they expanded into eight other cities, including international locations in the UK and Canada. There were mills in South Carolina, Georgia, sewing facilities in Atlanta and Detroit, Dallas and San Francisco, and internationally, like I said, Canada and Walkerville, Ontario, Toronto, Vancouver, and Liverpool. And Paris and New York had some offices and a warehouse followed later. So they really kind of went a lot of places. Uh, So he also implemented profit sharing for employees. Uh, so, you know, literally giving them part of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Helped employees uh, to benefit basically from the company's success. So kind of is also like just a measure to have them invested in their workplace. So this is where I got kind of really like, whoa. So not only did they make clothes, they also made. This This is a buildup if you can't tell. Peanut gallery is guessing condoms. Co- what? No, cars. <laughs> okay, yes, we're wrong. Oh, this is the early 1900s. I mean, they I existed, was... but nobody talked about condoms then. Honest, not that different from now. Everyone's <laughs> making cars now. Apple tried to make a car. That's true. That's true. Well, 
So they had these cars, and but it was a short-lived project. In the spring of 1920, the company invest the company invested one million dollars into this. Um, Holy shit! Uh-huh. Million dollars. Uh huh. A million. That's that's a lot. I don't know what that is in today's money, but it's a lot more than a million, and that's a lot today. Um, Twenty-five million. Yeah, probably something like that. So in the spring of 1920, the, that's when they did that. And Hamilton Carhart Jr., who was the vice president at the time, left the company to head the car division. They created a car to be sold for $2,250. And it displayed the same quality as, the, uh, as cars that were selling for over $3,000. So I wasn't that off by saying he founded Ford Motor Company. Actually, no, you're right. <laughs> it was just a little bit off. Carhartt a little Motor bit off, though. <laughs> So the car was offered to Carhartt buyers as a raffle prize during 1912 election between Woodrow Wilson and Theodore Roosevelt and William H. Taft. Okay. Uh, so the way that you would get this into this raffle is shops offered the chance to win a vehicle after the purchase of clothing and correctly guessing the number of votes the most popular candidate would receive. Um, so unfortunately, though, this created a lot of problems for an, the offshoot. And a patent infringement lawsuit was filed two months after its debut. That's not good. <laughs> a no. year later, the U.S. District Court stated that the company was actually bankrupt and its assets were to be auctioned off. By 1912, the car division was closed. Womp womp. Mm-hmm. Did it just, like, completely close or did anyone else scoop it up, like General Motors? I think it just completely closed, but I can't corroborate that information. Okay. I mean, given I'd never heard of it before, it most likely just went under. Because I feel like all the other ones I've at least heard of, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, then during... What? Give me a good old Studebaker. Oh, I used to love the word Studebaker as a child, and I have no idea why. It's just a fun word to say. Studebaker. There's a lot of consonants going on. A lot of hard consonants. You know what? Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head. It's been a mystery in my whole life, and you just solved it in two seconds. <laughs> I guess I just had that talent. It's fine. Continue. <laughs> um, so during World War II, as if, like, I didn't love them enough, uh, they offered seven facilities to the government to help create uniforms from the U.S. military. Ugh, love that. Uh, during the Great Depression, though, they had to downsize a little, and it, at one point actually almost shut their doors, but Hamilton was basically like, uh-uh. We're not shutting our doors. And he and his sons continued to support workers' rights and worked hard to keep the doors open. Aww. So he was known as saying, we are building our business for the years, not for a season or two. I like that thinking. That's uh, forward thinking. I it is forward, yeah. And I mean, like, you can tell, like, he really actually cared about his company and not, like, he obviously, like, people want to profit, but he, he thought about the greater picture, too, it's, it seems like, at least. Yeah, um, I will say a lot of this information comes from the Carhartt archives because they have a very large archive on their website. But anything I read anywhere else to, you know, follow the same kind of information. So, but on May 9th, 1937, Hamilton Carhartt and his wife Annette were fatally injured in an automobile accident. Ham, which I wrote ham. Uh, hey. was- <laughs> was 81 years old and his son Wiley assumed control of the company and continued his father's commitment to uh, serve the, the workers. Uh-huh. Um, and that still actually continues today. It's a family owned company to this day and they pride themselves very much in that. 
although he was gone, though, his successors never strayed from the visions and values. And his sons basically, after he passed away, said, 50 years after the first pair of Carhartt worker clothes were built in their small workroom, Hamilton Carhartt is no more. But although this great and generous man can no longer be at our sides, he has left us with a monument stronger even than the stone walls of his factories. He has left us with the vision and inspiration to strive always that his name be honored by the honesty of the goods we make, by the sincerity of our purpose, by the integrity of our dealings. Good for him. Yeah. So... His son Wiley became the new president of the company at that time, and he played a large Wiley, role in the Wiley Coyote. Wiley Miley Coyote. Yeah, it was Miley Cyrus. Um, his son was actually oh Miley God. Cyrus. Got a pop career. All that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so his son actually became part of something called the Back to Land program, which led to opening up new facilities in Kentucky and Tennessee. So, trying to kind of get business, you know, going again after like the Great Depression and World War II. Wiley's daughter married a man named Robert Wallade, who took leadership of the company in 1959. And in 72, leaders, Robert, along with a couple other dudes, um, changed the operations a little bit because they wanted to modernize the business a tad. And they started doing uh, private label business for stores like Sears, JCPenney, Montgomery Wards, which I haven't heard that name in a while. Um, Um, The doctor's name is Montgomery. Oh, that's a very serious name. That's it all. is a very serious name. I will say that his practice is now closed, so mm-hmm. well, it did not serve him well. Yeah. <laughs> so they've evolved, though, having trademark features of durability and heavy threading, reinforced rivets at stress points. So they're, they're flame resistant, water resistant, just really good quality stuff. A lot of construction workers, farmers, ranchers, etc. But... In 1990, the total sales were 92 million. As of 92, they'd sold more than 2 million jackets per year. Of those, like, you know, like wow. the basic, like, Carhartt jackets. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. They were construction. He had all those. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're good coats. Yeah. In 2013, sales were about 600 million per year. Wow. Uh, while they started as apparel month for those who do manual labor, like field jobs and things like that, they started to gain popularity in, like, the streetwear section. Yeah. And yeah. as is seen there, um, in 1996, though, Mark Vallade, so the, um, I believe the one who married the, the one daughter, became the president and he helped the company into glo- the global era through global expansion and the internet. So this guy, a designer who specialized in denim named Germans Edwin and Salome Thea, they wanted to represent Carhartt in Europe and they visited the U.S. in 89, and the company was about 100 years old at this point, and they started, they wanted to sell across Europe, so they were given the license to create their own lines under the Carhartt Work in Progress line, and it was a streetwear line, often marketed in a similar fashion to, like, Stussy or Supreme, which I also Uh have not heard the word Stussy in a very long time. Was it Stussy or Stussy? Oh, it was, like, I don't know. I want to say they sold it at, like, Target or something, but I'm probably very wrong about that yeah. um and they they had a bunch of different things but they like to explore things like graffiti fanzine skateboarding hip-hop bmx they wanted to be you know the cool the cool line wait it's, real quick do you know what bmx stands for i learned this recently i don't tell me bicycle motocross oh okay x is a cross um here's a really cool ad from the 80s sorry just because I want to uh, show this to you. Dash. 
Look at yeah. him. Yeah, it's good. Look at them with their chainsaws and their axes. Mm-hmm. That's real They're good shit. They're ready to the woods. And I also want to show you. This is from the uh, line I was talking about in Europe. The the cool like streetwear line. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's a nice jacket. It's a hot looking jacket. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah. So in 2007, they launched Carhartt for Women, which was like a a line of women's workwear for the fall. But that kind of just made me think of, do you remember when... um, Late, uh, Bic became or came out with Lady Bic pens, and they were like, "Look, they're pink and purple. They're for women. They're designed for your dainty woman hands." Uh, and I was like, "I like blue, bitch." Yeah. Yeah. Colors for genders is weird. Yeah, just I mean, if you're gonna have a line, just have colors. Like, right. That's cool. Pink pens. Yeah. That's perfect. I remember the Pen Fifteen Club. I am. Uh... <laughs> Do you remember when I thought you could spell that out on, uh, what was it, a beeper, beeper a few weeks ago? Yeah. 100%, yeah. Yeah. To be um, fair, I know that wasn't possible until you said it, so you were in the good. You called yourself on that one. You played yourself, fool. I do that regularly. Same. So they, um, a couple things. So they do have, like, personal stores, like, just dedicated to just Carhartt. And they actually, they don't allow discount stores such as Walmart to carry their products to protect their brand, but they will, um, a lot of like farming and factory uh, stores is where they, they kind of focus. I'm pretty sure Meyer actually carries a lot of their stuff too. Um, but their personal stores, they, instead of celebrating the stores with like cutting, you know, the big ribbon, uh-huh. they will use a sledgehammer to smash a wall instead. I love that. Um, their flagship store is actually in the old Cass Motor sales building, and you can see it from okay. 94. There's a big mural on the side of it. What's um, the mural? The mural is like union workers native. Or actually, the store was made by union workers native to Detroit. The wood uses reclaimed lumber from houses that have been torn down. Um, and the mural was designed and painted by Detroiters. And it basically, it shows like, um, I think, is it factory or far? It's like a working kind of scene. Okay. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. It, next time you're in 94 going through Detroit, you should be able to see it. So, though, in 2013, uh, oh, I'm sorry, in 2011, this is kind of crazy. Uh, so, actually, I'm going to go back to their advertising first. So, they um, their advertising actually stays in house, and ads are, their ads are actual consumers on work sites. So, they use their actual customers in their ads, which I think is pretty rad. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. They use up. They've updated though, and they recently partnered with Jason Momoa. Oh my God! Um, Did he just come to Detroit and work with every Detroit company? Because I know well, he's actually, Yeah, I think they. I think he loves Carhartt. I think from like working with them or something. He seems uh, like he loves Detroit. Like he owns. I don't think he's done anything with it, but I think he owns some like places outside of Detroit, like some buildings to possibly make some establishments or something. Is he like, from here? No, he's from Hawaii. I think he just likes Detroit, which is cool. Yeah, I'll Where take is that? And so he made ads and they showed things like surfing, hunting as family traditions and women making donuts apparently while wearing Carhartt suspenders. Okay. Yeah. So um, 
they've been used in a lot of, you know, popular culture related things. Tommy Boy Records used Carhartt jackets as promotional tool with their logo embroidered on them. They gave away 800 to quote unquote tastemakers and people seen in all the right places. Um, uh-huh. And they're now very popular in the hip hop community. Uh, Tupac and um, Drew wore Carhartt in something. I didn't, I didn't see what, but something. So that's a deal. Um, they became part of the local culture in Alaska. The city of Talkeetna even holds an annual Carhartt Ball. The Alaska State Fair hosts a Carhartt fashion show as well. That just reminds me of the Saturday Live episode where they had Tina Fey playing Sarah Palin. She's like, how do you tell the difference between a polar bear and a hockey mom? How? Lipstick. <gasps> oh. <laughs> So in 2011, though, there was the London riots, and there was a Carhartt outlet store in uh, Hackney, which is in the northern part of London, and it was looted. Thousands of pounds worth of stock was stolen, and they responded to this by releasing a t-shirt with the now iconic photo of the storefront mid-looting. So I'm going to show that to you. Ooh, show it to me. I will. I'm so excited to show you this shirt. So you can see Ooh. in the shirt, there's a car pulled up and there's people like literally they've ripped like the rails on the um, store open uh-huh. and then like right here and then they're, they're looting it. Damn. Mm-hmm. Um, mean, but they, took, they took a, like a negative thing and they kind of turned it into their own thing. I like it. They, they took ownership over the situation. Uh-huh. In 2014, they entered into the craft beer market. Uh-huh. Carhartt teamed up with New Holland Brewing Company and they created the Carhartt Woodsman and it marked their 125th anniversary. And this is the same time when starting, they started archiving things. So they actually have a full-time archival team. <laughs> so anyway, though, so they made this beer and marked their 125th anniversary and they started this archival thing. The archive on the Carhartt website is so intense. They have at least, I think, one uh, full-time in-house person and several interns, and they go through, like, everything you could ever want to know about every item of clothing, every part of Carhartt's history is archived on their site with photographs and just, like, the ins and outs of every little detail. But it's kind of cool, too. So it's still family-owned by descendants of the founder, Hamilton Carhartt, known as Ham. And (laughs) now they employ more than 2,200 American workers. Uh, 900 are um, in the union uh, and 5,000 associates worldwide. Damn. Yeah. So like I said, the flagship store is over uh, on Cass right next to 94. You can see a lot of stuff there. or You can see the mural on the side there. Highly recommend. When you're going down 94, please, A, first of all, pay attention to the road. But B, if you look over you're going to see on the side of a building, a big mural and it says Carhartt on it. And that's theirs. And that is the story of Hamilton Carhartt and the Carhartt company. (laughs) I'm so glad you did this because I literally had no idea that Carhartt was a Detroit thing. I thought it was just something my dad liked. And now I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, they are really comfortable stuff. And I will say we are not sponsored, but I love this hat. Uh, and it's, their stuff is for the quality you get. It's very affordable. Yeah. So, 100%. Yeah. And so, and the more I researched it, I really 
that seems to be their whole jam. Like that's why he started the company because he wanted to make good quality stuff for people at an affordable price. I can stand behind that. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. Love that. Um, Are you ready for some two truths and a lie? I am so beyond ready for two truths and a lie. I accidentally went to our YouTube and we are live. Yay. Well, that's exciting. So your two truths and a lie. I decided to go back to doing two truths and a lie about us. Oh, about us? More particular about me. Oh, <laughs> I'm out. Because uh, remember the first couple Just episodes kidding. we did things about us? Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. My, oh, I shouldn't put this on Instagram live because you're going to be able to see it. My two truths and a lie are things that I have done or haven't done during the quarantine. Okay. So, fact number one, I haven't watched either Mamma Mia, either Mamma Mia since the quarantine began. Yeah. Two, I caved and bought more toilet paper despite making fun of people for stocking up. Three, I have bought two boxes of wine since the quarantine began. I know you bought at least one box of wine because I saw it on a social post. Okay. Wait, was number one, you haven't watched Mamma Mia? I haven't watched either Mamma Mia. So either Mamma Mia or Mamma Mia, here we go again. I feel like you would have watched Mamma Mia, but I also feel like that would be a really good lie because if you haven't, that would like really trip me up. I'm going to go with that. That's true. I haven't watched either yet. But I did write, um, but probably not for long since I have, since I just remembered I haven't watched it. I don't think Maria or Ricky have seen both of them. Oh. Ricky's um, trying to- I can hear him whispering, yes. Yeah. No, that's not happening. We're going to watch them. Oh, and I'm sorry for everybody listening. I don't know why Alex's audio is so much lower than mine. I think it has to do with my mic setup and learning. Uh, probably. I uh, um, am using a mic through my laptop, even though I have all this beautiful equipment, but nothing to plug it into. And I had nothing except this karaoke mic. So I mean, I the karaoke it. mic works. Both W-O-R-K and W-E-R-K work. Yeah. Well, we'll try to get better. Yeah. Um, so that box one, what was the middle lie? Or the middle? <laughs> I caved and bought more toilet paper despite making fun of people for stocking up. Okay, I'm going to go. You've only bought one box of wine then. Nope, I have bought two boxes of wine. Damn it. It's the toilet paper one? Yeah. Well, now you're just dumb. I had plenty of toilet paper. Why the fuck do we need more? Okay, that's fine. Like, that's if fine. doesn't cause shit in your pants, you're going to be fine. Just have yeah. a normal supply of toilet paper. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I agree. Nobody should, like, over-hoard. Like, stock there, up. But, yeah. We actually, yeah, we don't have that much either, but I did freak out and think that I had fucked up by not getting a bidet. Fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I um don't have a bidet, but had plenty of toilet paper. But, like, I don't understand. Like, I did go panic shopping. Like, literally during the governor's speech yesterday, I was like, oh, God, they're shutting everything down. I have to go to the grocery store. Ricky, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And then, like, we left. And then Maria was like, right after you guys left, she said, don't go panic shopping. Supply chains will be fine. But. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Oops. But um, that was a good truth, truth, and a lie. That was fun. Quarantine edition. Yeah. Yeah, I think that about wraps us. Wait, did you have something? 
I was going to say, like, the two boxes of wine, corn turn up. You're living at home anyway. Like, why not just turn up? I was very excited when um, most of the items from my Kroger, like, drive-up thing, I got, like, one of those where they bring it out to you things the other day. And most of the things were not available. But that box wine, still available. Priceless. What kind of box wine did you get? Uh, Red Blend. uh, Boda box. It was on sale for $15. I don't know. Is that the black boxes? Uh, no, cardboard. Yeah, like is it black cardboard? Like, what does it look like? Is it like one of the weird like square rectangle things, or is it like? Yeah, yeah, big? yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's one of those. Boda box is good. You you can definitely rely on Boda box. I um, I got some pink Moscato sangria. It's either Peter Vella brand or Franzia. That sounds. It's so trash, sweet. but it's delicious. I thought it was gonna be too sweet, but Ricky convinced me. We got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's sweet, but it's not too sweet. But uh-huh. it also tastes like juice. I don't know if there's any alcohol in it. I might have to start adding kickers to it. I mean, you're definitely getting a buzz off that sugar. That's for sure. Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, no, but I highly recommend Boda Box. Like the Red Blend. Also like their um, Malbec. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I had a box of Malbec too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So other than that, Thank you all who joined us. And thank you those who stayed through this with us. I'm We had some technical difficulties, but we made it through it. Next time, hopefully, it'll be less technical difficulties. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do our research or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll make it work. But until then, you know, stay connected with us. Alex can tell you about that like to you could follow us at instagram and twitter at detroit strange facebook just detroit strange and if you want to email us it's detroit strange at gmail.com and please we'd love to hear from you you know yeah share you know what on any of our socials or email us just any like ridiculous quarantine stuff you've seen or things you've done you know Mm -hmm. what's some crazy stuff that you've seen or done yeah love to hear it yeah and until next time Stay strange. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sex and Violence. <laughs> <laughs>